The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina, and as always... I am joined by my lovely and talented co-host, Scott Chu. How's it going, Scott? Not too bad. You know, I'm more striking than lovely, but I'll take it. <laughs> You're a handsome devil. And, uh, you know, mustache is still gone. And I noticed a little uh, beard growth on you, but you said that just, just being lazy. It's not like yeah, you're just growing yep. uh, an Abe Lincoln type of beard because uh, you don't have anything growing under your nose. You just have a little uh, stubble around your, your no, face. No, it's more outlining it. Yeah, it's more leprechaun than anything, really. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good description. So uh, to give everyone a reference point, we're recording this podcast on Saturday morning, Eastern Time, uh, around 11 a.m., May 8th. And uh, we're on the heels of another no-hitter, Scott. Wade Miley uh, from the Reds pitches Major League Baseball's fourth no-hitter of the season. And uh, that comes... Just a couple of days after Orioles pitcher John Means pitch a no-no on Wednesday, there have been some near misses as well. And, and you had uh, some interesting information about who has been no-hit so far this season, right? Yeah, what's crazy is these are all in the course of a month, right? <laughs> April 9th, April 14th, May 5th, May 7th. And who it's been done to is, you know, it's really been one middle-of-the-pack offense. That's the Texas Rangers when they were no-hit by Joe Musgrove. But since then, it's been Carlos Rodon over Cleveland, mm -hmm. John Means against Seattle, and then Wade Miley over Cleveland again. Wow. Uh, Cleveland's been no hit twice in three weeks, That's amazing. which is amazing almost. And quite frankly, these last three have been against some weaker offenses. And my biggest theory as to why this is happening, I don't think it's the dead ball. Maybe it's a little bit of the way teams are approaching the game now, like, you know, these more three true outcomes guys and things like that. But also, like, especially in the case of Seattle, the teams that are bad are really bad, right? Like yeah. the teams that can't hit cannot hit at all, right? Like who's the best hitter in, in Seattle right now? You know, like there's, there's a couple that are okay, but you know, that that's it. There's no, it's not like teams are still keeping this like one great hitter back. Like the Tigers used to always have for a while, like Ivan Rodriguez, like at least they had Pudge, right? Mm -hmm. So like they were hard to no hit because you did have to get Pudge out three times, four times, <laughs> right? But after that, you know, like now they're, they're like prime for getting no hit, 
right? Like, because Cabrera is not the same guy he used to be. There's mm-hmm. teams that are sort of primed for it. You know, like even the Rangers, like, you know, Joe Musgrove isn't a lefty, but I wouldn't be shocked if they get no hit by a lefty because they have so many lefty sluggers. These kinds of things can happen. It's interesting, but it's also a case where maybe by the end of the year, we don't even think about it. Right. Mm. What if we don't really have any more? Right. I'm looking at Cleveland's team batting average numbers. They're batting 206 with a 282 OBP and a 382 slugging. And uh, the only team that's worse are the Mariners, who you mentioned uh, they were no hit as well. They're batting 204 on the season with a 365 slugging. And I'm not even going to talk about your Tigers, but uh, they've scored uh, was... some runs lately. Yeah, yeah. They're great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like Cleveland's the fighting Jose Ramirez is right now. You know, yeah. like that's what we're running into. We got a couple teams Poor that guy. are really yeah. struggling, and they're like one or two players away from a no hitter, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't, if you get Jose Ramirez out a couple times, you're in the clear. Yeah, and like I said, they've been uh, to to my memory, there've been several near misses as well in terms of these uh, no hitters as, as well. So uh, I was watching just a, a short little video from Tom Verducci of SI.com. And he also does work for MLB network, did a good job recapping some of the trends in the major leagues after the first month of the season. And here a couple of things that he mentioned that uh, major league batters collectively batted 232 on the season, only Two other seasons in the modern era that had lower league batting averages, 1943 and 1968. And 68 is widely known as the year of the pitcher. Hit by pitches are at an all-time high, just about one per game. And for the past four years, they've been on the increase. Strikeout rates continue to climb, averaging 18 per game. And not surprisingly, starting pitchers continue to not work deep into games, averaging 83 pitches per start. Five seasons ago, they averaged 93 pitches per start. It's really not that surprising. I mentioned that starting pitches aren't working too deep into games. Start of the season, also after the abbreviated 2020 season as well. And stolen bases uh, continue to be an issue for fantasy baseball managers. Uh, Stolen base rate is at its lowest level since 1971. Yeah, and a lot of that's the sabermetric stuff. Stolen bases, mm-hmm. unless you're really sure you're going to get it, are a very dangerous play in terms of like expected run production. They are they're tough, right? Like they, you know, for some players it makes sense to take a walk and then try to steal the base, but for most players it's way more valuable to just hit a double, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the single doesn't drive as many runners. Stolen base is a risky play. It's also an injury risk play. There's a lot of reasons managers don't like it, and they really don't like it unless they're about 80% sure, right? Plus, you can't just be fast. You have to have a good jump. There's players that are fast that don't steal a lot of bases. There's players that aren't fast that do steal a lot of bases. Robbie Grossman, for example, sort of middle in the pack in terms of speed, stealing a bunch of bases because he's a smart old guy, and the Tigers have to do something to score runs, so they send him. But you know, teams are much more likely to try to hit around. And again, this is a little bit lazy, but when the weather heats up, so do bats. And yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. I mean, like it affects both. Like it, it can affect pitchers in the really cold climates, but generally speaking, it also affects hitters. When the weather heats up, it can get it can get really tough because the pitchers get hot and tired quicker, and the batters, you know, get to go cool off in the, you know, they get to go cool off in the dugout for a little while, then come out and and smack a ball. So yeah. I, I wonder. You know, I think that there's a trend here, but I wonder if by the end of the season, we're not thinking so much in a historical context. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And if you look at the weather in the Northeast, if you go outside my house, it feels like a an October day. So, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, it's we're not, we don't have to use science, but we know that in July and August, uh, the bats do come to life and uh, baseballs do travel further in humid, hot weather. So let's get to the Albert Pujols news. Angels unceremoniously released him. I believe it was Thursday, right? It, rumors were that he wasn't happy about being benched on Wednesday night. And the decision to bench him came not from the manager, Joe Madden, but came from the front office. Uh, let's face it. I mean, Pujols, one of the top players ever, but 41 years old, was hitting just 198 over 92 plate appearances and hasn't hit above 245 since 2016. I was a little surprised at the differences in his numbers with the Angels and the Cardinals. Ten seasons with the Angels, hit 256, 311 OBP, 447 slugging with 222 home runs. Eleven seasons with the Cardinals, batted 328, 420 OBP, 617 sluggings, 445 home runs. Rookie of the Year, three MVP awards. Led the cards to two World Series wins. One of four players with at least 3,000 hits and 600 home runs. Others being Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and A-Rod. And by the way, can we get A-Rod out of that ESPN Sunday Night Baseball booth, Scott? I mean, For a guy who is so good, he struggles to talk about the game at times. <laughs> um, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it, I just wanted to mention, did you see how stupid he was when he talked about uh, Francisco Endure thought that maybe the hitting coach should penalize him if he hits more than 20 or 25 home runs. I mean, I get what he's trying to say that maybe he's a, that Lindor might be a more effective hitter if he's not always swinging for the fences, but get him out of there, please. And I'm sorry for interrupting you, Scott. I just had That's to get why that he's on TV my... and not coaching, right? Right, right. I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> and, and so this, this thing with Albert Pujols, yes, there's going to be a lot of talk about how unceremonious it was. And, and, you know, he deserves respect. He's probably one of the best right-handed hitters of the modern, you know, of the last, what, two decades, right? Mm-hmm. So him, Miguel Cabrera, Manny Ramirez, those guys are the ones that jump out as like the top right-handed hitters. Um, he, he's definitely up there. He's not there anymore, right? Like he, he can't really run. He really has to sell out for power. That's why that batting average really like kind of sunk away. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he doesn't, he hasn't aged quite well, but. You know, what it does on one hand for the Angels, who are a sub-500 team, right, uh, it gives them a chance to play their their best players more often, right? Because they need Otani in that DH spot. He is he is a miracle of baseball. I, I've got nothing but good say, things to say about the guy. I mean, if you want to critique his fastball command, fine. But at the dish, he has been fantastic. You know, he had a little bit of a slow start in batting average, but he's been just incredible there. Uh, Jared Walsh has been really, really good, and they get to put him in his natural position at first base. It's things that they needed to do. You wish they would have handled the pool holes thing better. Um, I, I don't know. You know, the other thing it does is potentially opens up a spot in that outfield for mm-hmm. one of the two guys they've got in the minors right now. One of them kind of day-to-day is Brandon Marsh with his shoulder. He's got solid upside, although I wonder if he's more of a, like, 2022 play than he is a 2021 play. Then there's also Joe Adele, right? Like the big prospect, former number one, number two overall prospect, him and Wander Franco kind of traded a little bit. He has already had, by the time we're recording this, two games, his first two games down in Salt Lake, really sort of like capture Joe Adele in a nutshell. 
He's already got in, in two games, he's got two doubles, a home run and a stolen base. And he struck out four times, right? That's the part The when he makes contact, he's as good as anybody. The problem is he doesn't always make the contact. He strikes out way too much to get an idea of when Joe Adele might come to the majors. Don't just think about, Oh, well, they've got one Lagaris out there. Yeah, I know the, the trick is with Joe Adele, they need that strikeout rate to drop. Cause if you're striking mm-hmm. out 30% of the time in AAA, you're not it. set up for success in the major leagues, right? right? So I think he's going to be there at least a month. They need that strikeout rate to look like it, it's manageable, right? Like once they get to the point where he, they think he can keep that strikeout rate between 25 and 30% instead of like 30 plus, mm-hmm. that's when I think they try to make that move. I don't know when that will be, but that's what I'll be watching in those minor league box scores and in his player page. Like what's that minor league strikeout rate like? Yeah, at this point, if I was the Angels, I wouldn't rush it. He's already had one terrible chunk of time in the major leagues also didn't look good in spring training. And let's face it. They also have Taylor Ward currently on the major league roster who also has some pretty good minor league numbers has played uh, three straight games starting in right field, hit a home run Friday night. So, you know, why rush it? I mean, I, I think you want to get it right this time in terms of Joe Adele, instead of bringing him up, at a disadvantage when he's still not ready, if he'll ever be ready. I mean, there are a lot of prospects that look great in the minor leagues and don't pan out, you know, and especially with guys that play in that uh, PCL, Pacific Coast Yeah, I mean, strikeouts were always an issue with Adele. If the Angels have one thing going for them, it's that they know what this looks like. They know what it's like for a player to come up who has a lot of potential, struggle, and then send them back down. They've got this center fielder named Mike Trout that ha- that this happened to, right? Famously struggled <laughs> in his first – Yeah, famously struggled in his first trip. They sent him down when he comes – I mean, we use this example all the time. It's the same example we use for, like, Keston Hira, right? Hira and Adele are a bit similar in that strikeouts were sort of always a potential issue. I mean, actually, Hira wasn't too bad at striking out the minors. Joe Adele has always had this problem, but – Sending guys down doesn't mean like we need to give up on them. It means mm-hmm. that there's something they want them to work on and working on some of these things at the big league level is unfair to the team and unfair to the player. So send them mm-hmm. down, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like wins and losses don't matter, but they also kind of don't matter. Right. right. So right. I think this is good for Joe Adele. I think it's good for his long-term value. And yeah, it means that right now, like a lot of people are a little more sour on him than they were a year ago. But don't worry about that. Just watch that strikeout rate. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned, Shohei Otani, you mentioned Mike Trout, and the other top offensive player for the Angels, Anthony Rendon, is on the IL for the second time this season due to a left knee contusion. Uh, Good news is that an MRI showed no structural damage. But, Scott, who isn't on the IL in in the big leagues? I mean, this week has just been catastrophic. I mean, just in prep uh, for our podcast, I... I kept the running list of players hitting the IL as they were announced, and I might have missed some, but I counted over 20. And, you know, earlier in the season, we mentioned uh, a Fangraphs article uh, that quoted that after the first couple of weeks of the season, the rate of injuries was kind of holding steady early on. But I don't know about you, but I can't ever remember a week like this with so many players hitting the IL at the same time. So. Well, so many fantasy-relevant players is the thing. 
-hmm. It's not just because some of these articles are going to focus on the numbers and those might be normal, but man, this feels like a lot for fantasy relevant guys Mm -hmm. who are just dropping like flies. If I could just, you know, maybe promote one tool that I'm not at all associated with. If you go to fan graphs, go to their roster resource section, they have the 2021 injury report. It breaks all the injuries down by team. It does contain a quick blurb. If there's an expected return time, you mm-hmm. can sort it by date within each team. It's mm-hmm. a great way to just keep track of what the heck's going on. You know, like, I mean, that's exactly part of, I mean, that's half the way I prepped for this show was, mm-hmm. all right, let me go to this thing and just scroll down. Let me see who got hurt, right? Like who's hurt. It's got a quick description of the injury, what yep. IL they're on. I mean, a really helpful thing is, you know, on your Yahoo or ESPN page, you might just say COVID. If you go to that injury tracker, it'll tell you like COVID vaccine versus like COVID like in the protocol. Right. Right. So, I mean, even that dis- distinction, that's huge. So if you're not using that tool, I really recommend it. I, I agree with you. It really is a great resource. So just having a conversation about uh, these players that hit the IL, like you mentioned, fantasy relevant players. What we're going to try to do today is not only just discuss what's going on, but try to figure out who you might fine to replace these sidelines players and what type of fantasy value they might have. So on a personal level there, Scott, I was decimated at the catcher position this week. You know, I play in a few two catcher leagues and in on two of those teams, I now have Wilson Ramos who hit the IL this week and Jorge Alfaro, who uh, I believe he's close to being coming off the IL. So in a two catcher league, I have, two catchers on the IL. And then I have another two teams where it's a one catcher league and I roster Travis Dorno. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, catchers, catchers been a real minefield right now. Like not even in terms of performance, we're actually getting surprised by a couple of performances on the catching side. The injuries are rough. Travis Darno, a guy I was really high on coming into the season. That's been rough. Austin Nola to start the season. He's back, but he was out mm-hmm. a lot longer than I thought he would be. Wilson Ramos just hit the IL. Alejandro Kirk is probably out for about four weeks. These are all really tough. And, you know, I think one thing I would do here is not think about like who on the team is coming up. For example, you don't want any part of Grayson Griner with Ramos out, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not a fantasy relevant player. I think you have two strategies, one for shallow leagues, like one catcher leagues, 10 to 12 teams. Look, who's, who's the hot hand, who's got the softest schedule coming up and play it on like a week by week basis. We've got a nice article that comes out on pitcher list that's done by Dave Sherman, where it's just looking at the streaming catchers for the coming week, right? That comes out every Sunday. What a great resource. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a really nice article. And so you're really playing it like either matchup by matchup or um, at the very least, you're probably looking like week by week, right? And just find guys you, you know, are probably going to play most of the time and just cycle them in and out until you find something that sticks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's how a lot of people ended up with Carson Kelly. He got a little right. hot. He had some soft matchups, and then they just now they can just keep him, right? Uh, in a deeper league, of course, that's a lot harder, right? You, you can't look for the hot hand because they're gone, right? A two-catcher, a 15-team league, my strategy there is generally always the same. It's who's going to play, right? Who's getting playing time? If they're getting playing time, those are the ones I want because at least they'll get hits, Right. Like you might try to go this like, well, they won't play often, but when they do, they're good. Like this, I don't know, maybe like an Elias Diaz type who doesn't get a ton of at bats, but does perform a little bit when he gets them. That's okay. As long as you think you can make up the volume and all your other positions, but 
Volume is king in deep leagues, so I'd just be looking for who's going to play. That's where Grayson Griner becomes a little more palatable just because he is going to play a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in a 10 or 12-team league, absolutely not. Not you interested. You think he's going to be the heavy? Because uh, I think, don't they also have, we're talking about the Tigers, right? Uh, don't they also have Austin Hedges? Or am I thinking about uh, another no, team? That uh, on? They don't. And, I mean, really, Ramos was their everyday catcher, and then he'd mm-hmm. get little breaks with Griner, Ramos with DH. Um, which is why he was very valuable as a catcher because he was mm-hmm. playing like every day. He just DH sometimes. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a blow, even though he's been much colder than he was to start the season. But yeah, I mean, it, it just all comes back to the same thing. Short, you know, the sh- the smaller your league, the sh- like the le- the shallower your league, the tighter to the vest you can play this, right? Yeah. Just like, actually, I shouldn't say tighter to the vest. I mean like loosey-goosey, right? You can just be like, all right, tired of you. Who's the next guy? Who's the next guy? Who's the next guy? Just keep cycling them. You could just try to find every catcher that's going to Colorado, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not one there every day, but you could try it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very streamable. In the deeper leagues, it's like, all right, who's going to play? Who's going to get four games this week? You're mm-hmm. in, right? right? And that's what you're really doing there. A little similar. You want to watch that schedule, though, because if it's like a left-handed catcher and they're facing three or four lefties, he's probably going to sit, right? Right. So it's particularly a problem with lefties because every team has a righty catcher they can bring up. There's just not as many lefty catchers. So lefty catchers do tend to sit against lefties more often than righty catchers set against righties. But other than that, it's it's pretty straight up. You're just going for the playing time in those deep leagues. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hedges, who I mentioned, he's actually on Cleveland, who also lost their catcher this week. Roberto Perez having surgery. So uh, he's going to kill your batting average based on his history, but he's got a little pop and he's going to be playing every day. So I don't know, but uh, you know, it depends on the size of your league. You know, Kyle Higashioka might be available. Like I said, depends on the size of your league and it looks like he's on the strong side of a platoon. As we mentioned uh, last week with Gary Sanchez and you and I were talking about William Contreras, brother of Cubs top uh, catcher, Wilson Contreras as a guy who's going to get some semi-regular at-bats and also probably be on the uh, strong side of a platoon with Jeff Mathis uh, in Atlanta. So I, I picked him up uh, on one of my leagues that I had Darno in, and I'm looking at his you know, minor league numbers and his pedigree, and, it looks, and based on the fact that he's going to be getting a lot of starts, taking a chance on him and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, in the shallower leagues, the guy I've been looking at quite a bit, even though I can't promise, I know what his schedule is coming up. Jan Gomes hitting the ball. Well, Yeah, uh, he's a decent ad and he might be available in a lot of these like single catcher, 10 or 12 team leagues. He's not there in the two catcher ones, but Jan Gomes, the X stats look pretty good. The real stats look pretty good going after that. And if he gets cold, I'm moving on, right? I've got no emotional attachment to Jan Gomes. I mean, he is like one of the, I think one of the only, if not the only Brazilian players in the league, but otherwise, you know, like he, it, that's more trivia than it is attachment, yeah, right? Cool. He's, he's good for now. And if he's not later, you'll move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. couple of closer issues. Jordan Hicks, who started the season as the Cardinals closer heir apparent, Alex Reyes, was supposedly holding the seat warm for him. He's going to be holding that seat for a lot longer. Hicks with some right elbow inflammation. He's already had TJ surgery. Cardinals are hoping he could avoid any type of surgery with this injury uh, and maybe instead receive treatment with either a stem cell or platelet-rich plasma injection. And, you know, by the way, Reyes has been doing a really good job holding the seat warm for him. Uh, he's 
converted all nine of his save opportunities. And then you have Dolis, Rafael Dolis from the Blue Jays, who uh, left Friday night start, I believe it was a calf injury, and he's going to be having an MRI. And so that puts Jordan Romano back maybe in the in the driver's seat as someone who might get some closer opportunities, but they also have David Phelps and, and Chatwood. So you, you never know how Blue Jays are going to be holding that, but uh, it's always tough to deal with closers in fantasy baseball. Yeah, the Jays have been weird because they just haven't had very many save chances for the number of wins that they've got. Mm-hmm. It's just been very strange. I mean, they had like a two or three week period where they almost had none. Like Tommy Malone was tied for second in their team with saves with one like halfway through April. So it's been weird. Jordan Romano, I think is definitely the favorite and he'll have a chance to win this job outright. You know, this was the guy who I, I mean, many of us thought would win the job. (laughs) There's no one left. I mean, yeah, Uh, he's the only one left. And if he's, if he does well, they'll have no reason to get rid of him. Like Dolis has been fine, but you know, these, these are pretty interchangeable guys. So, I mean, Dolis might be worth holding on to if you've got a ton of IL spots. If not, it's going to be close. If you're in a, I've got a couple leagues that only have two or three IL spots and Dolis probably wouldn't make the cut. I'd probably have mm-hmm. to let him go because I can't keep guys who might be closers when they come back, right, especially right. in a 10 or 12 teamer. It has to be locked in closers. I can't wait for someone who might close sometimes, right? Like that's, I'll try to pick him back up later if I can, if it looks like, you know, Romano has been struggling and Dolis will move back in, but mm-hmm. otherwise he's got to go. For the Cardinals, you're right, Reyes has been good. He's walking a couple guys, but I don't really care. What's crazy here is that Hicks is now totally off my radar, which is weird because he throws awfully hard. He had a lot of promise. But, man, in the short term, there's a ton of righties at the back end of this bullpen. you got Reyes, the closer. You've got Giovanni Gallegos. You've got Ryan Helsley, who I actually like, uh, who, you know, his numbers have been up and down throughout his career, but he's got a lot of talent. And those are all righties. They're all in their 20s, right? Gallegos is the oldest. He'll turn 30 this year, but... Helsley's only 26, almost 27. Reyes is 26, almost 27. And Hicks, who just continues to get hurt, is only like two years younger than they are. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not even like there's a huge play for the future. And of course, there's still Daniel Ponce de Leon, right? So yeah. I, I'm not sure like what his role will be in the next couple of years, right? Like we I don't know. I was always hoping if- he'd join the rotation. He was kind of like a sleeper that I liked last year and the season before. So we'll see. Yeah, and they've played with that. I mean, he was a starter pretty much all yeah. through the minors. He's shown some, like, strikeout upside, but he walks too many guys. So those guys sometimes go to the pen. But he's another righty. He's another righty who's got a decent arm. So, you know, especially if you're in, like, one of these deeper dynasties, deeper dynasties that do, like, holds or saves plus holds, like, Jordan Hicks just keeps moving down down the rankings. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about Christian Yelich. Uh, I don't roster him in any leagues, but... It was kind of just by not really by choice. I think had he been at a spot in a draft in a preseason, you know, I would have taken him late first round, early second round. It just didn't happen. But if I do roster him, the latest news about him scares me a little bit. Stiff lower back has been on the IL, had an MRI, which showed no structural damage. The Brewers at one point had said that his rehab had plateaued. Then he quickly got reinstated a day later. He's back on the IL. You know, um, then I was reading an article where he's also had some back issues when he was in the minor leagues. I mean, I'm an old Yankee fan. You know that, Scott. And back injuries scare me because if you look at Don Mattingly's career numbers and how they tailed off due to back issues, just completely sapped of, of his power, it's kind of scary to me. Yeah, and we've seen some of that power sapped in the very small sample we've seen from Yelich. And 
a little more in that story, he plateaued and it got to the point where the Brewers were just like, well, you're not getting better. You're not getting worse. So Let's get just lineup. try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what happened. They said, well, how about you just go out there and see what happens? And it didn't feel great. And they decided to put him back on the IO. This, well, the one nice thing here is that it's not like some re-aggravation, right? It just wasn't where they wanted it to be. I know that Yelich is very frustrated. He's going to see specialists and stuff. Here's the thing about Yelich. You can be as scared of these back issues if you want. Um, and you should be right. There's something to be afraid of. If you're in a dynasty league, you really have to think about what he looks like on your roster and years going forward, maybe alter your expectations. I think there's one thing you don't do right now in 99% of leagues and that's sell, right? Because this would be like the biggest mistake that, that investors make, so to speak, right? Like who are the big losers in the game stocks, GameStop stock thing, the people that bought when it was like 300 and then sold it when it crashed. Right. They were the losers. Right. Um, same for like Bitcoin. People bought it up a bunch on that first spike. They sold it when it crashed. And now it's, you know, it, it's up near all time highs. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't buy high and sell low, especially if you're in redraft or something like that. It's probably hard to find a buyer. But even if you do. Right. Like you bought at end of first round, maybe early second round price and you're selling for what? You know, who's going to offer you something close to equivalent value? Right. Like I'm not saying that you might like by the end of the season, maybe you win that trade. Right. To me, that's a huge risk. And you're selling it probably the lowest point he'll have. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the low. Like it's not going to get much lower than this unless somehow he comes back and goes on the IL again mm -hmm. or goes out for the season. And if for whatever reason you're a doctor or something and you think for sure you've seen this and you know he's out for the season. Fine. Everyone else who's not a doctor, myself included, you just hold. There's very few players that are higher on my IL must keep list than Christian Yelich. Yeah. Hey, you seem to know what you're talking about when it comes to investing. So do me a favor. If you ever hear of any opportunities uh, where it's a buy opportunity, just you know, shoot me a quick note in Discord because uh, you, know, you seem to know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, you know, I, I can talk all day about, you know, buy low, <laughs> sell high or don't don't sell. Don't sell low. Don't buy high. Um, it, it, you know, it's fun. And I, you know, I will say I've made like one wise investing decision in my life. And it was, I put like a hundred bucks in Bitcoin when it crashed around the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I was able to buy a bunch of baseball cards thanks to the there profit I made. But don't think that I like made real money because I kept taking it out for baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> Could you have bought these baseball cards using Bitcoin? As uh, a not. Not anywhere I know of, but that's like a great double gamble, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So uh, in terms of Yelich, I mean, we, we've spoken about Avicel Garcia, three home runs, three stolen bases on the season. Still widely available in many leagues when you look at his roster ship. And uh, Tyrone Taylor, any interest in him? Uh, has some PCL-infused minor league power numbers and getting regular bats. I mean, because we don't know when Yelich is coming back. and. You, know, you did give some great advice in terms of Yelich. You know, people that uh, roster Yelich don't have any choice but to hold on to him for now. But uh, any, any love for Tyrone Taylor? I mean, maybe a little because <laughs> he's playing and he's hitting. Right. He he wasn't this like super highly regarded prospect, right? Like he has a bit of hit tool, he has a bit of speed. There's not a ton of power here. Um, he's Fine if he's hot, very deep leagues. You know, if you needed a fifth outfielder, he's 
been surprisingly good in his major league sample, right? We've seen yeah. him for about 102 plate appearances, uh, 57 games, not a ton of like power and speed, right? Five home runs, one stolen base in 57 games. Uh, that, you know, that projects out to maybe like a 15 home run guy with like mm-hmm. five steals. But the the line's been great, right? 264, 343, 516. The plate, you know, the plate discipline is is average, but that's good for a young player, you know? Yeah. So again, nothing super exciting here. In 10 or 12 teamers, I'm probably not interested in all. And a 15 teamer, five outfielders, sure, right? Mm-hmm. Flavor of the month, why not? Right? Maybe. Like his expected stats have been awesome. Yes. You know, they are, you know, they are better even than the real thing. But at the same time, I'm not super rosy on the long-term outlook here. Mm -hmm. Continuing our discussion about outfielders hitting the IL, the Twins dealing with some injuries to a couple of high-profile guys. Byron Buxton uh, will reportedly be out weeks due to a hip strain. How many weeks? They're not saying yet. They don't know. But it's a shame because... uh, batting 370, nine home runs, five stolen bases to start the season, also making these tremendous defensive plays like he always has. And then they have their uh, top prospect, Alex Kirilov, who was just starting to heat up, has a wrist sprain, and hearing that he's seeking a second opinion regarding that injury, which doesn't sound promising because we presume that the first opinion wasn't one that the Twins didn't like. Yeah, you don't get second opinions when you like the first one. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just how it goes, right? Like you, if you like the first one, you just keep it. So, yeah, I mean with Buxton, obviously it's a huge bummer. He really looks like a new player, right? He no longer looks like the 15 home run 30 stolen base guy. He kind of looks like the 30 home run 15 stolen base guy, which mm-hmm. which I like a lot. It's just it's unfortunate his body hasn't been able to keep up with his athleticism. I mean, that's really the best way I can describe it. His body kind of breaks down because he's so darn athletic. So, I mean, that's an obvious hold, right? Like you don't, you don't trade him. You don't do anything like that. You just hold Mm -hmm. on to him. Kirilov is a lot more troubling, particularly in redraft because not because Kyle Garlick and Jake cave, right? Like Mm -hmm. they they're up. Kyle Garlick had a nice game uh, on Friday because it was against a lefty starter. So he promptly hit a double and a home run off my favorite guy, Tarek Skubal. Um, because he's a righty they and he let off because that team doesn't have a ton of righties particularly ones that are capable of leading off right the two they've got are nelson cruz and josh donaldson who don't lead off uh that's not what you do with those guys so the problem with kirilov here is going to be fighting for playing time this team has no shortage of corner outfielders both in the major leagues and in the minor leagues because uh, but you, you got Garlic and Cave, who are more defensive-minded. Kirilov is not a great defender. At least he wasn't in the minor leagues. Um, and Garlic and Cave are are better. They're not great, but they're better. Uh, also, Garlic is right-handed. That helps. Uh, but also, um, you got Luis Arias, who needs to continue to get playing time. You know, you got Andrelton Simmons, who takes up the shortstop spot. So then you've got Jorge Polanco, and you have Luis Arias, who are both who both can play second base, but Arias can also play the outfield in the corners. So they put him out there. Sometimes he's got a ton of contact ability. Team likes him a lot. Uh, He's a, he's an okay defender. And then of course, in the minors, there are uh, two virtual clones of Kirilov just sitting there waiting, right? With Trevor Larnick and Brett Rooker. Rooker's a righty and he hasn't been great in his major league samples, but he's got a lot of power. He's got a good hit tool. He just doesn't have a lot of speed or fielding. And Larnick, he's another lefty. If you just looked at their grades, you wouldn't be able to discern the guys. They're basically uh-huh. the same, right? So he's a he's a lefty. He's big. He can hit for power. 
he has a hit tool and he doesn't run very fast and he doesn't feel very well. Right. So there's becoming this very crowded situation in the corners, especially because they've already got Max Kepler, who's also a lefty. Mm -hmm. Long story short, Kirilov really needed to keep hitting to force his way into this lineup. And unfortunately, this injury, even if it's only short term, gives other players a chance to demand playing time. And we could see Kirilov go back to being a part time player or worse yet, go down to the minors to be a full time player. Mm-hmm. right like i wouldn't be shocked if even if this injury lasts like let's say a month month and a half they might reactivate him in the minor leagues if you know the the team is winning games yeah. which they haven't been doing if they're winning games and they're playing well i mean they're they're gonna let let him stay down because it's probably the position they need the least they just don't need a hard-hitting lefty they've mm-hmm. got a bunch of them so that's my fear with kirilov i think in 2022 gonna love it right 2023 gonna love it 2021 is where I've just been really concerned because that he's just a lefty corner outfielder and first base is jammed up, jammed up with Miguel Sano. DH is jammed up with Nelson Cruz uh, third base where Sano would have moved is jammed up by Josh Donaldson. You need a lot of moving parts Until to be gone for Kirilov to get that opportunity. <laughs> you didn't mention our favorite twins player, Williams Estudillo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and Estudillo, right? He's a righty. It's the one thing he's got going yeah. for him. And he can catch a little bit. He can play a third base a little bit. He can play outfield a little bit. He's very, he and Arias are very similar players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, he's got all the heart in the world, but yeah. I mean, they, they've got a lot of players who can do a lot of the same things, which is good for them as a team. And as far as a build, that's why I still like them to win the AL central. If you're a gambling man or woman, um, still like them because they're just the deepest team in this division by a mile. And because I think Maeda is going to turn around, I think this offense is going to turn it around. Mm-hmm. They've lost some really weird games. They have like zero wins in extra innings games, and they have zero wins in like one run games or something like that. Uh, I'm sorry, no, it's it's extra innings and oh, there's another thing like oh, and in seven inning games, extra inning games and seven inning games. They're like mm-hmm. oh, and a, it's like oh and nine or something crazy, right? Dan Dickerson was mentioning it in the Tigers broadcast. It's nuts. Uh, that luck isn't going to continue. They're they're going to get better. I think they'll win this division, but it's because they've got so much depth in moving parts that makes it tough for guys like Kirilov, Larnick, Rooker, these guys to like really demand playing time. Buxton mm-hmm. can demand playing time. He's the best defensive outfielder sure, they have. Sure. Probably the best hitter they have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of these guys, they're they're going to struggle. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Larnick in in the uh, lineup. And another quick aside in terms of outfielders who are on the IL. Gregory Polanco, no designation for the Pirates, but I, I mentioned him because uh, of Kuai Tom and uh, Hunter Owen. Hunter Owen was just called up. Uh, both of them have some pop in their bats. Just watch them for now. You know, nothing. You'd really have to play in a deep league, like an 18 teamer, to, to add them or have a deep, deep bench. But just a couple of guys that I'm just looking at. Who else outfield wise? Luis Robert, grade three hip strain joins Elo Jimenez on the IL for the White Sox. Good news is that he won't need any surgery, just rest and rehabilitation. Right now, they're outfield uh, looking at Friday night lineup. Adam Eaton, Andrew Vaughn in left field, and Lurie Garcia. And uh, Billy Hamilton's on that roster, too, there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the fantasy play is everyone's going to be wondering about Andrew Vaughn. And I'm not saying I don't like Vaughn. I do, but I always feel like I'm the wet blanket. If you were in a league that doesn't have a corner infield, 
or doesn't start five outfielders and it's like a 10 or a 12 teamer. Andrew Vaughn's a fringy guy. He's a fringy roster piece because he's still adapting. He's getting a little better. He's still adapting to the major leagues. First base and outfield are fairly deep positions and Vaughn doesn't really offer something that uh, other players can't do, right? Like how does Vaughn put up better numbers than Eric Hosmer this season? Right? I, I actually, I think that's a very difficult task for him. And Eric Hosmer is not a top 10, top 12 first baseman, mm-hmm. right? At least, he, at least he wasn't drafted as such, right? So the problem is in these shallow leagues, you got to let him go. Now, of course, in a 15-teamer or a league with a corner infield spot and five outfield or something like that, of course, you can play that upside for Vaughn. But you know, obviously, his, you know, the the managers that roster him are probably unlikely to try to move him because of the upside. Uh, but you know, I, I am a little bit cold on him in 2021. I think the year is going to be 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, another high profile outfielder hitting the IL for the second time is, is the uh, George Springer. He uh, hit the IL with a strained right quad, had an MRI. Sounds like he's going to be out for a while. So, more regular bats for Randall Grichik. Jay's also recalled Rowdy Telez this week after also putting Joe Panic, and we mentioned uh, Alejandro Kirk on the IL as well. So Blue Jays faced with a lot of injuries, but uh, concerning because looks like uh, this might be a little bit more time than his initial one month on the IL for George Springer. Yeah. So the one thing I want to mention about Springer, if he plays. 110 to 115 games this season, which he can miss quite a bit of time and still do. Uh, he could still very well be a top 25 outfielder, mm-hmm. like without a doubt. So the most recently that he's done this was back in 2019 with Houston. He played 122 games, 39 home runs, 96 mm-hmm. runs, 96 runs scored, six stolen bases, a 292 average, and a 591 slug. Right. Mm. He does not need much time. Heck, you've had him for four games this season Four. He's already got two home runs and a stolen base. <laughs> right. So that's the thing with Springer. Yes, mm-hmm. it's frustrating. He's hurt. Injury were always part of the risk when the guy plays. He's an elite fantasy outfielder. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. You don't let go of him. I don't think you trade him because no one will give you what he can do uh, when he's healthy. So, yeah, these core injuries are annoying because they sort of pop up all over the body. Oblique, quad. Uh, you know, ab, all this stuff. It's all kind of connected. That's annoying, but you know, he'll be back. I'll be back. And he'll be instantly on his return. Uh, fifth, you know, top 15 rest of the season outfielder going forward. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's more guys on the, on the IL that hit, but I feel that we covered the more fantasy relevant players, but just a special aside to the dumbest injury <laughs> over the past week or so, and it's been covered already, but the A's uh, pitcher, Jesus Luzardo, uh, breaks his pinky playing vi- video games. I mean, th- what the heck is that? I mean, the, uh, do you play video games there, Scott? Yeah, yeah, and my fingers are fine. Good, because we need you here every week. I, I can't take a, a pinky problem. Do you have a favorite video game? You know, I, uh, I'm i a bit of a geek that way. I play a lot of a game called Fire Emblem that's on the Switch. I like Pokemon. I play with my kid. He's nine. So obviously uh, the game's a lot different than when I started it back in the, uh, back in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still fun because you know, he enjoys it. I enjoy it. So I play mostly nerdy games by myself. It's great. Yeah. For me, it's, and this is real old school, Super Mario brothers. 
that's how uh, that's how long it's been since I've I've played video games regularly. But let's move on and and find some more injury replacement player options for uh, people listening to the podcast. So these are kind of under the radar kind of guys, right? Uh, some of these guys we spoke about previously, and we'll just kind of gloss over them. Nico Horner, who's actually on the IL since I made this rundown, but you had mentioned that you know it might be a short stay. And Willie Calhoun's been hot. We spoke about him last week, and he has hit some home runs, hit for more power, hitting for average. Josh Harrison continuing to rake, and also Tyler O'Neill. Uh, outfielder for the Cardinals continuing to rake. So, but the couple other guys that we haven't spoken about that have been rather hot, and I'll give you a chance to uh, talk some Tigers and tell me why I should pick up uh, or not. Heimer Candelario, two ninety eight batting average, three home runs, twelve RBI, has swung a power bat in the past. What, what do you think about his rest of season expectations? So I love Candy. I'm concerned one about just how bad this lineup is right now. Right. Like they've just really struggled across the board. It's it's not great. Um, I'm kind of wondering where the power is right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's had some really nice games lately. He continues to pile up hits, but the power's not there. Right. Just three home runs so far in the season, slugging 411, which is acceptable, I guess. But you'd like it to be a lot higher for a guy hitting 290. Right. So I love that this is carried over from last season. He's hitting for plenty of average. It's just the power. I want to see that back. Um, you know, of course, again, in his last, you know, as of right now, he's on this little three game hitting streak. He has two, three hit games in his last three games. Um, those are all great. Like the RBI count is obviously low because the team's not scoring runs, but I just got to see the power and it's coming back just a little bit. Like already in May, he has two home runs, right? Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, but he it just needs to keep coming. I'm not seeing the doubles. He hasn't hit a double since the 23rd of April right now. He might do it over the weekend by the time you hear this, but he's not hitting the ball very hard. So that's a bit of a problem. I do think he's a very viable corner infielder right now in most formats, especially if you're not counting slugging, you mm -hmm. just care about the batting average or the OBP. Cause those numbers are fine, right? He doesn't walk right. a ton, but the average is so high. He doesn't need to. So, you know, he's, He's viable as a corner. You probably he's probably a little overextended as a third baseman in most of your you know ten or twelve team leagues. Mm -hmm. Rymel Tapia, outfielder for the Rockies. You look at his overall numbers, pretty darn good. Three ten batting average, four home runs, nineteen RBI, three stolen bases in his first thirty one games of the season. Uh, you know, I look at those numbers and I'm thinking maybe fifteen to twenty home runs and you know. Uh, I don't know, maybe like 80 plus RBI and, and yeah, I don't know, maybe 15 stolen bases. That's pretty good for rest of the season and somebody that you could slip in to your uh, lineup if you got uh, somebody on the IL. Yeah, he's leading off and that's great. He's just got one real problem and that's he, he's a Rocky, right? Mm. So obviously they've had some ownership changes or general manager changes. That's good, right? Because this front office was terrible. There's not a ton of power here. I'd be surprised if he even got to 15 home runs on the season. I would definitely take the under on that, although I do think he can steal more than 15 bases. He's a fourth or fifth outfielder type to me because yeah. it's really just batting average. Maybe a couple runs scored, but this offense is darn near as bad as the Tigers and, uh, and, and a little bit of pop. But I'm not using him in any three outfield league. Uh, even if it's 15 teams, I'm not using him in a three outfield league. Uh, and I'm probably not using him in any 10-teamer 
right? Cause he's just never going to crack my top 50 to 75 outfielders because he just offers very little other than the speed and the batting average. He, maybe he's a little better in points cause he doesn't strike out very much. He gets on base plenty and that gives him more opportunities to score those points. But I'm probably under on 75 runs scored. I'm under on 75 RBI. I'm under on 20 steals and I'm under on 15 home runs. Right. So like even with a good batting average, yeah. (laughs) Even when you put the good batting average in, you put all those things together and it's really hard for him to be a long-term asset. Now, if he's Mm -hmm. got like a long home series, go for it, Mm -hmm. stream it. That's totally fine. He's a great streaming outfielder, but in most leagues, I think that's what you have to think of him as. And don't worry if you don't get him, you're not missing much. Yeah. I'm just thinking that, you know, he's a good guy. Like with this past week, you know, Desperate times call for desperate measures, kind of all hands on deck, you know. Uh, so, you know, maybe a guy that could help you temporarily weather the storm, you know, like uh, let you tread water for a little while, like, you know, like in that uh, Titanic movie. You, know, you ever see the, the movie the Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio's character tells Rose, uh, promise him that she's going to hang on to this hunk of metal until the, uh, the rescue ship comes. So just looking for, you know, looking for a rescue. But yeah, you know, you're... that piece of wood that has more than enough room for the both of them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's like <laughs> famously, but you know, you know, so so Tapia and you know, a couple other guys that you can I kind of all bunch together is just like short-term plays, yeah. really schedule dependent. <clears throat> so Colin Moran, I get asked yeah. about him, it feels like every April. The guy is a good platoon hitter, mm-hmm. and at the end of the season, you'll be really unimpressed with what he does. He is very average, but if he's facing a bunch of righties in a certain week, particularly weak ones, yes, just fine. He can be a top 15 first baseman in a week, in two weeks, in a month, but not much longer than that, right? Because the flaws just come up and he he's just not, he can't do a lot of things, right? Like there's no stat that's going to jump out and the batting average isn't amazing. It's just an average guy. Uh, Matt Duffy, a guy, he's a lot more like Tapia in that he can hit for a really high average, except he won't steal as many bases. He doesn't hit a ton ton of home runs. He's one of these guys that are going to jump way up on like the ESPN player Raider or the Yahoo rankings because he's getting a ton of hits, but like they're just hits. He's not, (laughs) there's like not a lot that comes with them, especially long-term. So these are just streaming options. Same Jed Lowry, right? We talk about Jed Lowry for a couple weeks every year. Cause he goes on this crazy tear. It's already sort of the wheels have fallen off a little bit because he's still Jed Lowry. Like no matter how many years go by, he's still Jed Lowry. He's, he's a limited player. Health is always a problem. Consistency is always a problem. He just has these hot spurts. I think if there's one guy that stands out in some of the players that have really jumped up on those player ratings and rankings, it's Josh Rojas. There's a little bit more here, a little more power. Um, the only issue I have with Rojas is that eventually this is going to become a bit of a crowded team again. Right. Because Cattell Marte is going to come back um, and, you know, Cole Calhoun. Now he's out for a while, but there are and, you know, Pavin Smith is hitting well. I know someone in the discord mentioned Pavin Smith. He's hitting well, not as well as you think. He's got this really high hard hit rate, but he hits a ton of grounders. And if you're watching a game and you're watching the stat cast and you see the exit velocity on a certain hit, it's going to surprise you sometimes because a lot of these hard hit balls go straight down. Mm-hmm. So when they hit that straight down, uh, it doesn't feel like it was hit very hard, right? Like you'll be watching a game and I, I encourage you to do this. Watch a game, keep StatCast up and just see like, wow, that was a 105 mile an hour hit. It rolled to the second baseman, right? Because once it hits that grass, it just dies. Right. It sucks. You know, the grass sucks all that speed out, right? It stays on a little more in turf, but it just slows down immensely. So 
whenever you're looking at that hard hit stuff, make sure you're really looking at that line drive fly ball mm-hmm. exit velocity. The line, you know, they don't have line drive fly ball hard hit rate, but that's what you want to see. You want to see that exit velocity tied to something that's not down because those don't go as like they, they just they don't operate like a hard hit ball quite mm-hmm. as well. So Rojas is a little more upside. I'm really curious to see what happens when Cattell Marte comes back. We still don't know exactly when that's going to be, but they're going to be locked up a little bit with Pavin Smith and Josh Rojas. We've already seen a couple of the early season guys for them drop away. These are the two that are going to be left. And I'm curious as to how that's going to work out. So eventually you're probably going to have to cut bait on Pavin Smith or Josh Rojas or worse yet, both because they platoon, even though they're mm-hmm. both, uh, they probably shouldn't platoon, but they might. That's something to keep an eye on. But in the short term, I think that's a good play. Yeah. Great analysis. And as we wind down, let's talk about some expected stats and how we could use them to do almost the impossible these days. We've we've spoken about how hard it is to buy low these days. But talk to us about using the expected stats provided by StatCast in terms of valuing players for rest of season and, you know, forecasting what they're capable of. Yeah. And actually, I think what I want to do first is just really make sure I make clear that StatCast data, expected batting average, expected slugging, expected Woba, it's not predictive. It's descriptive. It tells us what they've done and takes a lot of the luck out, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are some flaws with expected stats, mostly that it doesn't really account for direction, right? So like it doesn't really measure a pulled ball at that velocity and launch angle versus like one up the middle or one, you know, to the push side. It doesn't give you that, but it's not predictive. It tells us that it, it really sort of reaffirms what we're wondering about a player. For example, guy I loved in the preseason guy, I still love Kyle Tucker, mm-hmm. right? I love the way he is been approaching stuff and he's hitting the ball hard. And if you've been watching him, you're like, man, he is hitting the ball hard. He's just unlucky. When you go to the X stats, that's what you see, right? He's got a 182 batting average, a 355 slug, and an ex- and on the expected side, it's a 289 expected batting average, a 551 expected slug, right? So you thought it was unlucky. You probably previously, if you've been doing this for a while, you went to BABIP. BABIP is limited. BABIP doesn't think about power, mm-hmm. right? BABIP doesn't think about home runs. It doesn't think about uh, a batted ball that was hard versus soft, uh, a grounder versus fly ball. It just looks at batting average on balls in play. So when a player, for example, is hot, they're going to have a crazy high Babbitt because when you're smoking line drives, your Babbitt is going to be high, mm-hmm. right? So with Kyle Tucker, the Babbitt is going to give you a little bit. It's going to be a clue, but really the expected stats are better in just about every way in trying to identify lucky versus unlucky. And that's really what we're doing here. Like who's been unlucky? Luck turns around. We don't know when, but it will. So Kyle Tucker is a big one. Another guy that, you know, has been really on the fringes for a lot of folks in 12 team leagues, whether they should cut him or not. Uh, Josh Bell, right? So with the Nats, he's hitting 145, uh, 319 slug, but that expected stuff is a little more par for the course for him in terms of like a 257 expected batting average, 485 expected slugging. Now that doesn't mean I think that's what he's going to do rest of season. It means that that's closer to what he should have been doing now, mm-hmm. right? And so when you see these big splits, these like 100 point split in batting average, you're like, okay, this is going to get better. Don't cut bait yet. You know, one more guy I'll say while I'm doing this like quick one, Jose yeah, Altuve, yeah. right? The the Jose Altuve, you know, one of the questions we got in Discord, like what's wrong with Jose Altuve? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. He's got bad luck for a month for the most part, right? He's still hitting the ball hard. 
really as hard as he ever did. He's still 95th percentile sprint speed. It's just, you know, the home runs haven't quite been there, right? Like there's another stat on StatCast. If you go to a player's page, it'll tell you expected home runs by park. It'll tell you how many home runs they would have had in each park. They take all their home runs and be like, if you hit all of those in this park, how many would you have? And for him, it's two or three everywhere. The home runs aren't quite there, but the hard contact is, right? There should be more doubles here. There should be more singles here, uh, but they're just not right now. And that's luck. Like these balls are finding gloves and they, I don't think they always will. He's going to get better. This is basically, if you're thinking about cutting one of these guys, you know, Dom Smith, who we talked about uh, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, uh, Alec Bohm, who's got some pretty good stats in the expected stats, Tommy Pham, these guys you're thinking about cutting. I would urge you to go check those expected stats. You can do it on StatCast. You can do it on FanGraphs. Uh, just take a look at what they are because you at least want to know, like, am I, if I'm cutting him, I want to know what could have been. Right. And that expected batting average, that expected slugging, that expected, uh, that expected Woba. That's what it is. It's what could have been right in a, in a parallel universe where everything's the same, except his luck is better. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. Right. Coins flip tails instead of heads and luck is a little better. Right. Uh, if that's, if that's all that changed, could he be hitting well? And if the answer is yes, really consider whether or not you want to cut this player. Right. Yeah. Because if you're, yeah, I mean, obviously a cut is very much, you need to think of cuts as like a trade, right? Because it's what it is. You're trading with the waiver wire. I've got this guy, waiver wire. You've got that guy. Let's swap, right? And the nice thing about the wire is it never says no, right? It'll always say yes. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you don't have to worry about counter offers, but you do need to think about, is this a trade I want to make? And, you know, probably folks hopefully haven't been thinking about cutting Kyle Tucker or Jose Altuve, but, you know, some of these other guys like Bohm and Fam, they might be. and maybe in a 10 team league, three outfield league, there might be something out there where you're like, okay, I can take this risk because if bone breaks out, I'm not losing a ton between this guy and breakout bone. Right. Mm-hmm. And bone might not break out and then I win, but other guys, you know, probably one guy I think of that I'm not always crazy about is Jorge Soler. He's really position limited. Um, and you know, he really is a power only guy and that's not happening. He's in a park that's tough to hit for power. The expected stats are better than the real stuff, of course, but that's a little bit of a concern for me, but otherwise, you know, I I can't give up on these guys yet. Expected stats are really what I use is that temperature gauge of, should I give up yet? You know, is it as bad as it looks? You know, is that 182 batting average for Kyle Tucker as bad as it looks? No, it should be 289 or should be closer to 289 anyway. Mm -hmm. Right even if you split the difference and it's like 140, 150, it's more palatable. Right. Um, but you know, for other guys, it's, it's, if it's bad both ways, then you're like, okay, it is as bad as it looks. It doesn't mean it always will be, you know, Kevin Biggio has, is a bit rough on the expected side. Uh, not what you want him to be. And the real stats are rough. So like, that's a little closer. I wouldn't cut him, but that's a little closer. Like, okay, it it is a struggle. So you got to dig deeper. But if you just look and you see that big split between real stats and expected stats, that big split, you can sort of stop your research and be like, oh, bad luck. That stinks. Mm. You know, whereas if if they both match, right, like it's poor performance and poor expected stats, and you got to dig a little deeper to find out what the problem is. But they will eliminate that trying to decide if it's luck. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you, if you know of any leagues where people are trying to drop Altuve, please give me an invitation to that league next season. So, I mean, uh, but great analysis on your report. And I'll just mention uh, uh, one guy who his expected stats show that his performance has been 
little worse than what his regular stats show. I mentioned him to you uh, before the podcast, Randy Arezarina, Rays outfielder. I show his batting average of about 264, expected 208, slugging 391, expected 311, his Woba 332, expected 267. And this is a case where real-life stats are matching what the expected stats show because in his past 12 games, batting 195, 353, 244 slash. So I'm not saying you're going to drop him, but I just think it's an interesting example of where real-life stats do match the expected ones. Yeah, and what that tells you is the contact is as poor as it looks, mm-hmm. especially lately. I mean, yeah, the home runs and stolen bases are nice. He's already he's still got three home runs, four, four stolen bases on the year. But first thing I'd be looking at is, hmm, the expected stats match. It's not bad luck. Oh, but look, that strikeout rate's over 30%. What's going on there? And I haven't done this, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do on any, uh, you know, for any league that I roster a Rosarena. What I'm going to do then is I'm going to go, how's he doing against pitch types? Is there a pitch type that's yeah. giving him a problem, right? Is it where Smart. he's only hitting fastballs and now he's got to make an adjustment? It doesn't mean he can't make one. It just means I need him to make one. And that's hard, right? Especially for a guy who we're st- he still hasn't even played 80 games in the major leagues yet, mm-hmm. right? So you know, strikeouts weren't really a problem in the minor leagues, they've, but they've been a problem over his last 50-something games. So you know, I, I want to see, like, is it a certain pitch type? Is it a certain spot in the zone? That's like digging even deeper. It's like, oh, is he just struggling with the high stuff, the low stuff, inside, outside? Because at least then I can understand what kind of adjustment he needs to make and decide whether or not I think he can make it, right? Or how long I want to wait. If a guy's struggling with like both types of breaking balls badly, right? Like, you know, and he's never been successful against them before. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh boy, this could happen, but it could be a while right? Versus, okay, he's struggling against them right now, but he's been good against them in the past. I think he could make this adjustment. This is a normal thing. I'd start looking at those rolling charts. Like, okay, he's been cold. Has he ever been this cold before for 50 plate appearances or hundred plate appearances? Right? Like, otherwise it might just be a normal cold cycle. Now with a player yeah. like a Rosarena, we don't have those yet. We don't have enough data for that. So it's a little tougher, but those are the things I would do next, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the next step, and that's what I urge you to try to do. And if if you want to bounce those ideas off me, go ahead, find me on Twitter at if the chew fits, if the chu fits. You can do that stuff. I'll talk to you about this. I'll I'll go through what I'm going through, right? It doesn't mean I'm going to be right. I'm often not, but at least we can try to set up a process for you that helps you understand how you want to do this, so you're not just like going by the seat of your pants and the last 14 day stats or the last 14 day player rater. That's probably the worst way to do this. Right. Or become they got to dig that yeah. one extra step. Yeah. I was going to say, or become a PL plus uh, subscriber and hit the discord. You could ask anyone at any time, uh, any uh, baseball advice. And it, we might not always get it right. Like, like Scott said, but just, you know, going back and forth, you never know what ideas could uh, be exchanged. So uh, tremendous uh, analysis as always from Scott Chu. And we want to thank you for allowing us to visit with you. We hope uh, that, as always, that you were informed and entertained, because that's our goal. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? And you can follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott, like he said, at If the Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And you can follow at Pitcherless Pods, and you'll get a notification every time a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts 
that are on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a five-star review, if you may. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>